Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Osisco Gold Royalties Q1 2020 Results Conference Call. After the presentation, we will conduct the question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, please pick up your receiver and press star, followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. Please note that this call is being recorded today, May 13, 2020, at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Today on the call, we have Mr. Sean Rosen, Chair of the Board of Directors and Chief Executive Officer of Osisco Gold Royalties. Mr. Sandeep Skin Singh, President of Osisco Gold Royalties, and Mr. Frederic Riel, Chief Financial Officer and Vice President Finance. Bonjour, Mesdames et Messieurs, et bienvenue à l'appel conférence des résultats du premier trimestre de l'année 2020 de redevance orifère Osisco Limité. Après la présentation, nous procéderons à une séance de questions et réponses. Si vous désirez poser une question, veuillez décrocher le combiné du téléphone et appuyer sur la touche étoile suivie du numéro 1. Veuillez prendre note que cet appel est enregistré aujourd'hui le 13 mai 2020 à 10 heures de l'Est. Nous avons sur l'appel d'aujourd'hui M. Sean Rosen, président du conseil d'administration et chef de la direction de redevance orifère au Cisco. M. Sandeep Singh, président de redevance orifère au Cisco et M. Frédéric Ruel, chef de la direction financière et vice-président finance. J'aimerais maintenant céder la parole à votre hôte, M. Sean Rosen. Merci. Allez-y, monsieur. Merci, opérateur, et uh, bienvenue à tout le monde à l'appel conférentiel du premier trimestre 2020 pour Cisco Gold Royalties. On va se trouver sur le site, de, site web uh, de Cisco Gold Royalties une PowerPoint sur laquelle on va faire les références aujourd'hui. Et je vais commencer pour vous demander de, de lire le forward-looking statement qui se trouve dans cette PowerPoint, euh, qui est la titre, c'est le premier trimestre de, 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 de 20, 20 000, euh, 2020. Welcome to the Q1 uh, reporting call for Osisco Gold Royalties, everybody. Thank you for taking your time this morning. Um, pretty good quarter because... Uh, Uh, we've we've had obviously some challenge in the second quarter with everybody else with the COVID-19 crisis. Um, so I want to start on page three, and I would defer everybody uh, to look and, and read the forward-looking statement, as we will be making uh, some forward-looking statements throughout this presentation. Uh, this presentation is found on our website under Cisco Gold Royalties uh, for uh, first quarter results for 2020. Um, I'll start on page three with the highlights uh, from Q1 of 2020. Uh, we had GEOs, gold equivalent ounces of 18,159 ounces, creating a revenue from royalties and streams of $37.8 million uh, Canadian, and cash flow from operating activities of $23.8 million, with a non-cash uh, net loss of $13.3 million, mostly relating to the impairment of uh, of $26.3 million, uh, of which $19.3 uh, was to the Renard uh, Diamond Stream net of taxes. We had adjusted earnings of $7.5 million, or $0.05 cents per basic share. 
Uh, also, due to the pandemic, uh, we've withdrawn the 2020 uh, production guidance, uh, as many of our associate companies and projects uh, that we are invested in have also withdrawn theirs, and we will come back to guidance uh, as our partners uh, continue to update their guidance as we get further uh, into the year uh, and this pandemic uh, uh, crisis uh, becomes more uh, evident as to what the effects are going to be mid to long term uh, on the projects. Our cornerstone asset, uh, the Canadian Malartic Mine, uh, was, a shut, was affected by COVID-19, uh, including uh, a shutdown for care and maintenance on March 25th to April 15th. Uh, it is currently been ramping back up, uh, and we look forward to seeing that mine back in full production. Uh, I want to uh, be specific on our cash operating margins, uh, net of some offtake agreements. We are operating at 91% uh, gross royalties. There's been some misinformation in the market. Uh, about what our royalties are, but we have a small offtake uh, agreement uh, left in our portfolio that does skew that a bit, uh, but our real royalty margins are 91%. Uh, throughout the quarter, we also acquired uh, just under 430,000 uh, common shares through our normal course issue or bid process uh, for an aggregate uh, of $3.9 million Canadian, and the average price per share that we purchased under the NSIB was at $9.00. Uh, and 15 cents a share, uh, with the current with the stock currently trading about 13 dollars uh, and 30 cents. We also declared uh, a dividend of five cents per share. Uh, this is consistent with our dividend policy that's been in place since 2014, uh, and we continue to uh, be one of the biggest uh, uh, dividend payers in the space on a yield basis uh, at uh, well over one and a half percent on average. Subsequent to Q1. Uh, we had a, a financing non-brokered uh, that we carried out with Investment Quebec, and we would like to thank Investment Quebec uh, for stepping forward. We uh, did a non-brokered premium to market deal for $85 million uh, to bring in a great cornerstone shareholders uh, that now brings uh, uh, Investment Quebec uh, to about 5.5, uh, north of 5.5% of the overall company and 6.2% on a, on a full point, fully diluted basis. Uh, we're very happy to have uh, Investment Quebec as a cornerstone investor in the company. Um, in terms of uh, other activity, we did increase our exposure to the Gibraltar mine by investing $8.5 million to reduce the transfer price on a silver per ounce uh, down by $2.75 uh, so that we had no longer have a transfer price there. So it's really uh, become more like a royalty. Uh, we also declared our dividend, as we said, of five cents per share, which is payable on July 15th. The shareholders who are on the record uh, as of the close of June 30th, 2020. On page four, uh, COVID-19 impact, and uh, I hope everybody's staying safe today. Obviously here in Quebec and in Montreal, uh, we've, we've had our challenges um, and uh, we, uh, we want to thank all of our frontline and first responders and doctors and nurses who've been uh, working so hard to keep uh, our, our community safe. And as we advance uh, through this crisis, we look to honor those people uh, as, uh, as this uh, unfolds and, and, and evolves uh, into what we hope will be a manageable situation uh, shortly. Uh, the transition uh, for us involved uh, shutting down uh, the day-to-day -day office uh, here in Montreal. Everybody has been equipped with uh, uh, printers and, and laptops and communication equipment that they need and we're fully active and uh, uh, we're working seamlessly from home uh, 
uh, and we will continue to keep non-essential office people at home throughout the crisis. Uh, and we've limited uh, our exposure as much as we can and doing everything we can to support uh, those people who have to go to work or have to be uh, in the public. On the partner side, uh, we have several mines. Uh, there was a Quebec-wide shutdown uh, for mining, which has uh, subsequently uh, been lifted in part and hopefully in full soon. And we'll see most of the Quebec mines uh, go back to work uh, and we'll have better guidance as those, uh, as those regulations evolve. Uh, and people are able to go back to some of the remote fly-in, fly-out sites safely. Um, one thing to note that uh, for us uh, in the mining industry, uh, we didn't miss any business. It's a deferral of revenue. Uh, the, the resources are still in the ground. Um, on the social front, uh, we've done a fundraising uh, with our employees where Cisco has matched up to $50,000 uh, for Mosso Montreal. Uh, one of Canada's largest food banks, and we continue uh, to rally for support for that uh, that great organization uh, as we go forward. A few of our employees, uh, uh, Guy Ducharme is shown here in the photo, uh, has joined the, uh, the, the the revolution of 3D printing uh, and is printing, printing protective advisors uh, with a couple of printers on the go 24-7, uh, and also uh, we're contributing to some other efforts on an ongoing basis as the uh, as the crisis evolves. Page five, um, you know, as a summary of what we just covered, uh, the $85 million private placement really goes to bolster the balance sheet uh, in a time of, of crisis. Um, this $85 million uh, brings our cash balances uh, up to about uh, $230 million. So on hand and uh, that you know, allows us some flexibility in these times. And also on page five, you can see a little bit of a summary on the Tosico offtake agreement. Uh, this is a, a great mine with a 17 year mine life located in British Columbia, uh, not that far away from the Barkerville project. Uh, and it continues to be a great mine. It's operated for a long time. Uh, it's primary copper producer, open pit of 85,000 ton per day mine. Uh, that we think has a lot of potential and Tosico as a group uh, has an awful lot of good projects and uh, we're very admirative of the, that management team's ability to operate that mine uh, in the cost cycle that they have and they continue to, uh, to have robust operations uh, even at these lower copper prices. On page six, uh, I wanted to go through uh, our assets, uh, dominantly a gold exposure. We have the most amount of, of gold uh, revenues of all the royalty and streaming companies in the space. Uh, we've shown you here the uh, Q1 uh, GEOs by asset base. Obviously, Canadian Arctic uh, is still our biggest cornerstone uh, uh, shareholder, followed up by Eleanor, CB, and most recently Eagle and on Island. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Eagle as we go on, but Eagle is the uh, Victoria Gold's uh, Yukon mine, the latest gold mine to go into production. They've uh, they're enjoying significant success having worked through uh, the winter at 64 and a half degrees latitude uh, and delivered the project uh, into into production and uh, they're pursuing they're in this uh, they're pursuing commercial production uh, as we speak and had a very good uh, very good results uh, yesterday and we congratulate the Victoria team on uh, on being able to continue operations uh, uh, throughout not only the uh, the cold winter but also through the covid crisis uh, it's a very exceptional management team that's been able to bring that project uh, to fruition uh, in these uh, in these difficult conditions. 
Um, also, we showed you our silver production with Mantos being our most important silver asset, uh, previously an Anglo-American uh, uh, copper mine and uh, operated by Orion now. Uh, exceptional asset with long life, and we continue to see a lot of these assets uh, continue to grow. Uh, obviously, we had a little bit of diamond exposure with uh, about 2,000 geos coming from Renard. Uh, obviously, the diamond sector has been a little more challenging uh, as we uh, as we get into the piece, but um, this too shall change, as we saw in 2008 and uh, Diamond prices did rally uh, after uh, a bit of a financial crisis at that time, so hopefully we'll see that happen in the diamond space as well. Now I'd like to introduce you to Fred Ruel, who is going to take us through pages 7 through 11. Uh, Fred has taken over the role as CFO uh, as of January 1st, and I'd like to congratulate Fred uh, on having uh, had his first quarter uh, uh, somewhat trial by fire. Fred and his team have been uh, uh, been able to give it a reporting through and, and continue on, uh, even with the COVID-19 crisis, the challenges obviously in the accounting department. Uh, being somewhat significant. So, Fred, over to you uh, for page seven. Thank you, Sean. Uh, good morning, everyone. Strong quarter for Cisco in terms of revenues, cash margin, and operating cash flows. Despite the disruptions on activities for some of our main operators, the strong gold price more than offset the reduced deliveries at the end of March. Revenues from uh, royalties and streams reach uh, 37.8 million in Q1, up 4.3 million compared to last year, an increase of 13%. Cash flows from operating activities were slightly lower by 1 million in Q1 of this year, but excluding the impact of the changes in non-cash working capital items, operating cash flows were 27.9 million compared to 22.6 million in Q1 of last year, an increase of 23%. On page eight of the, of the presentation, we show a breakdown of our cash margin for Q1. Cash margin on our royalties increased by 2.3 million to 25.6 million. Cash margin on our streams also increased by 2.3 million to 8.8 million, resulting in a cash margin on our royalties and streams of 91% in Q1 of this year compared to 89% in Q1 2019. Our total cash margin reached $35.3 million in Q1, including $800,000 generated from our offtake agreement, an increase of $4.7 million, or 15% compared to last year. On page 9 of the presentation, we present a summary of our earnings and adjusted earnings. We add a net loss of $13.3 million in Q1, or $0.09 cents per share, compared to a net loss of $26.5 million in Q1 2019, or $0.17 cents per share. Excluding impairment charges, net earnings would have been $6 million in Q1 of this year compared to $2.1 million last year. Adjusted earnings were $7.5 million, $0.05 cents per share, compared to $5.8 million, or $0.04 cents per share in 2019. On page 10 of the presentation, we have a summary of our results for Q1. GEOs from gold production were lower this year, partly due to the sale of the Bruce Jack offtake in Q3 2019 and the impact of COVID, but this was offset by a higher realized price on gold. Our average gold price per ounce sold amounted to $2,125 Canadian compared to $1,731 Canadian in Q1 2019. 
The decrease in our total revenues from uh, 100 million to 53 million was also due to the sale of the Bush Jack offtake last year. Gross profit increased to 21.6 million from 18.2 million last year. On page 11, you'll find a summary of our financial position. Our cash balance was 158 million at the end of Q1 and 243 million considering the 85 million equity financing completed with Investment Quebec on April 1st. Our debt amounted to 423.5 million, which includes a drawdown of 50 million US in March on our revolving credit facility as a cautionary measure. Including the 100 million accordion available, our credit, our available credit on the facility was over 400 million at the end of March. Our net debt position, including the IQ financing, amounted to 180 million. In addition, our equity investment portfolio is currently valued at over 250 million. So back to you, Sean. Thanks very much for that, Fred. And uh, I think it's just worth highlighting that uh, our net debt position uh, uh, is quite manageable at uh, 180 million dollars, uh, and uh, our, our equity portfolio has been performing quite well, uh, obviously, in these increased. Uh, uh, gold prices. So all in all, uh, things are going pretty well, and a lot of liquidity and a lot of firepower on the balance sheet to work with in this uh, in this uh, interesting market times, as they say. Uh, on page 12, just a recap of our portfolio: over 135 royalties and streams and precious metal optics uh, acquired uh, since we started this company in 2014, with one producing royalty and four non-producing royalties. Uh, we've gone uh, pretty quick in terms of uh, getting access to quality uh, assets throughout the space in a very competitive space, uh, and we've created the accelerator model, uh, which is somewhat unique to us, and we're currently operating at the highest uh, cash margins of anybody uh, in the royalty and streaming space at 91%, uh, with an exceptionally low geopolitical risk with uh, over 68% of our assets being in Canada, 86%. Uh, here in uh, in North America by geography, um, and it's uh, you know I think it's a credit to our partners Agnico Eagle, Yamana, and Newmont uh, who are quality top quality operators uh, on the asset base that, uh, that we are most exposed to, and we'd like to do a shout out to uh, to Agnico, Yamana, and Newmont uh, in this time of crisis. Uh, we really appreciate the efforts that all those management teams uh, have made to to keep these assets. Uh, in good stead throughout this uh, this challenge. On to page 13. Um, in terms of dividend yield, you know we're we're at the top quality of the investment cycle. Uh, if we were looking at this dividend yield to 1.5%, uh, being more than all the other uh, royalty and streaming companies in the space. Um, so therein lies the opportunity, as we see it in the second line on a PNAV trading multiples. Uh, we're trading at about one times NAV based on consensus, uh, and therein lies the opportunity for investors today uh, is to to look at that. And we feel that uh, as we get further into the year uh, and the asset base continues to strengthen, uh, and also we should see some some simple catalysts in the portfolio, uh, such as the Canadian Arctic Underground uh, resource that's evolving, and also uh, the evolution, uh, quick evolution we're seeing on Barkerville. Uh, as that asset continues to strengthen uh, and, and really show its quality in the portfolio. Uh, we also have one of the highest liquidity uh, ratios in the business, trading at $18.5 million per day, uh, which uh, I think uh, goes to the fact that 
this is an asset that uh, that the company is is a is well followed, and hopefully that sets the stage for us to uh, to increase value as we meet these uh, these criteria that we've outlined in our catalysts uh, for this year. Uh, again, the strong balance sheet with over nine hundred million dollars in total financial uh, capability and a positive uh, net debt uh, balance sheet. Uh, sitting at uh, well north of $60 million. Uh, in terms of our shareholder base, uh, we have a very diversified shareholder base with the Case Depot uh, sitting at around 12% and the Investment Quebec sitting at 56 and some other uh, very strong portfolio hands such as uh, Sprott uh, uh, Investment Fund uh, uh, and, and some of the bigger uh, VanEck and uh, and, and uh, FIDO uh, working to uh, round out our top 10 shareholder list. Um, our business model on page 14, obviously this is a, uh, this is somewhat unique to us. And I think in this increased gold price, it obviously sets the stage for us to be uh, uh, pretty loud and proud about what we've accomplished with our business model. We are a hybrid in that we invest about 75% traditionally in our core royalty and streaming business. Um, which you know, obviously, we've seen uh, that happen with the most, the largest acquisition of recent times uh, in that business was the uh, the royalty uh, on the Victoria Asset Eagle. We paid 98 million dollars uh, for a five percent royalty, which is now Canada's most recent entrant into production. Uh, and then in some of the earlier stage businesses uh, that we've been involved with, obviously, OSK uh, is the most successful of the Cisco family accelerator companies to date. Um, and we congratulate uh, the Cisco team and John uh, on, on the fine job that they've done uh, to really take windfall to another level uh, at a speed that's uh, been breathtaking to watch over 1.2 million meters get drilled. There are over three and a half million feet drilled on that asset uh, as we go through. Um, we also will talk about Caribou a little bit later uh, North Spirit Discovery Group uh, is our subsidiary uh, that's looking to finance the uh, the evolution of the Caribou assets as we go forward. Uh, and uh, that uh, asset has uh, gone up significantly in value since we purchased it last year uh, when the gold price was mid-1400. And obviously with gold at 1700 now, uh, the significant amount of value increase uh, in that asset. Over to page 15, uh, we've seen solid growth in our GEOs. Uh, since the beginning of the company in 2014. And we see that to continue for a long time to come. Our paid for royalty growth portfolio allows us to get to 140,000 ounces per year. And that is things that are 100% uh, financed and paid for already by the Cisco Gold shareholders. And that would exclude things like the Horn 5 Silver uh, stream where we still have some cash investment. So that's just purely what's already been paid for uh, as we go forward and we see these assets evolve. Uh, so I think it uh, you know bodes well for us in the future. Uh, these are competitive marketplaces, but we've been able to uh, to create an organic pipeline that we believe is somewhat unique uh, in the space uh, in terms of not only being on significantly gold assets uh, for the most part, uh, as opposed to byproduct from copper mines. <clears throat> this is uh, this is a portfolio that's dominantly Canadian as well. And as we've seen with Canadian Malartic, which we can switch over to on page 16, you know, the Canadian Malartic, when we sold the company in 2014, the amount that Nico purchased it, and it's been uh, the, one of the all-star assets in, in both those companies' portfolios. Uh, but we've also seen the underground resource here 
essentially double uh, what was there before with over 10 million ounces having been identified and measured and indicated and inferred categories in this asset. Uh, we had drilled some of the stuff on the Odyssey zone um, during the 2014 spring, but they've taken it to a whole new level. And we congratulate the Agnico and Yamanaman team on the exploration success that they've uh, generated here. Um, and obviously, there has been some discussion around this asset, asset uh, in terms of the significance of this, but it's not really priced into our stock right now. But obviously, at 1,700 uh, plus uh, gold price, uh, all these ounces are exceptional, and they're located near uh, Canada's most efficient and lowest cost gold mill, uh, the Canadian Malartic Mill, and we uh, we look forward to seeing uh, this value unlocked as uh, as our partners Agnico and Yamana go further. Uh, to develop that underground aspect. Phase 17, <clears throat> again, a, a quick photo of Victoria's uh, new Eagle mine located in uh, in the Yukon. It's the largest gold mine ever built in the Yukon, ramping up to an annual production of 220,000 ounces per year. Uh, and as I said in the preamble, uh, they were able to operate that mine throughout the winter. It was an exceptionally cold winter this year, seeing temperatures of below minus 58, um, and they've been able to keep this mine running and is now starting to hit its stride. And we really congratulate an extraordinary effort uh, to keep that project on its go and wish them luck with the commissioning uh, as they get as they move forward here. Uh, and congratulations on the results this week uh, of seeing significant amount of gold production uh, from April. Uh, Eleanor uh, was acquired uh, when Newmont uh, did the acquisition of Goldcorp. Uh, so we're welcome uh, Newmont to our portfolio. I'm very happy to be partnered with Newmont. Uh, we have a long history with Newmont and uh, really consider them to be an exceptional company with exceptional people. Uh, as we go forward, we look uh, we look to see uh, Newmont bring that mine uh, back up and to uh, and to push it aggressively uh, as we move forward. Uh, we'd mentioned Mantos earlier. There's 100% Silver Stream in the Antofagasta Chile uh, belts. Another uh, long life. Uh, mine and a great jurisdiction uh, moving forward. On page 18, uh, you know, a couple of things have gone on at Windfall uh, recently that were uh, were interesting from a science standpoint. With the with the team there having drilled Canada's deepest diamond drill hole ever, uh, just under 3,500 meters. Uh, congratulations to Major Drilling and to uh, the team at OSK for that. Uh, more exceptionally, has been the five million ounce resource that was published uh, with the, uh, you know, within the within the drilling that's been done there, and uh, an additional 250,000 meters of drilling plan for 2020 continues to be one of the most impressive uh, drill outs in in current uh, exploration and development world. I don't think there's any other site in the world right now that's operating with 20 core rigs. Uh, so congratulations to uh, that team for having really moved things forward. Uh, we did increase our, our royalty there recently, uh, so we now have a 2 to 3% royalty depending on which part of the deposit. Hermosas continue to move forward. Exceptional polymetallic high-grade zinc deposit at 10.4%. Uh, zinc grade, uh, equivalent zinc grade, uh, multi-decade life, really another exceptional discovery. Uh, South 32 is moving that to pre-feasibility, uh, is on track for the second half of 2020. Uh, we retain a 1% royalty on that project. Horn 5 uh, under Falco Resources, led by Luke, our very own Luke Lessard, 
uh, currently at 6 million ounces of GEOs in reserve. Another 3 million ounces of reserves. This remains one of the largest uh, underground open pit or underground uh, bulk tonnage deposits that's, uh, that's in the development pipeline here in Canada and in North America. And with a full feasibility study and a reserve status here, uh, there's a lot of work that's been done uh, to complete the agreements with our partners there. And we look forward to uh, getting that permitting underway uh, uh, in a significant way this year and uh, in early next year, hopefully, uh, to have completed that cycle. Uh, but uh, it really is an exceptional asset, uh, and it's a VMS deposit that uh, that goes down with another kilometer of undrilled potential at depth, and we see that as uh, one of the big assets here in Quebec that, uh, that will be generational. And if we were to fast forward 10 years from now, uh, we would see probably windfall and Falco's uh, Horn 5 and Canadian Malartic Underground as the biggest assets uh, here in Quebec. So uh, we, we are staying close to home. Quebec is our premium jurisdiction uh, and uh, BC is our, our other go-to jurisdiction on page 19. I wanted to do a brief touchdown uh, on the Caribou project, as you can see here in the image, the underground workings uh, from the BC vein, and you can see some of the clear cuts in the background. Uh, work is ongoing on this project. Um, and we have uh, in, in less than four kilometers of the known trend, uh, outlined 4.4 million ounces uh, of underground resources in our PA site that was published in, uh, in September of last year. This company is currently 100% owned by Cisco Gold Royalties. And uh, obviously time has been our friend on the gold price with the gold price having gone up uh, significantly since we bought this project uh, back in September. And we're evolving towards the permitting timeline uh, on that uh, with a couple of different things on the go, but we'd set the stage to look at a plus 4,000 ton a day operation, which would set the table for over 185,000 ounces a year in phase one development of this project. But make no mistake about it, this is a mining camp, not just a project, with over 83 kilometers of mineralized trend identified in this project on north of a 2,000 square kilometer uh, land package. This is one of the big projects uh, that is out there. Um, and we think that this is generational asset. What uh, what we're hoping to see uh, is a scaled investment. One of the advantages of this project is uh, it has existing infrastructure with a QR mill in place. Uh, and we think that it can relatively simple ramp up um, to go to 4,000 tons a day using ore sorter and flotation technology coupled with the existing infrastructure. Uh, we have a pretty straightforward mine with relatively low capex in the beginning. Uh, and we will be there uh, with our royalty currently at four to five percent, so it's uh, it's high times uh, uh, for permitting in in, uh, in Barkerville as we move forward towards the uh, uh, the conclusion of that uh, project description, uh, and the team is fully functional and pushing hard uh, to get that done. We did spend about five million dollars worth of uh, our budget on exploration drilling there, which has yielded some significant um, forward motion on infill drilling. Uh, for the deposit and that project continues to strengthen nicely uh, as we move into the year. Uh, we've concluded the transaction and we did spend some money on transaction closure and we've also invested uh, uh, about uh, 10 million dollars between the transaction closure and pre-production um, uh, environmental contact water management systems that'll that'll set the stage um, for use during the production period as well. Page 20, high exposure to gold prices with us uh, 
being at 81% gold exposure and mostly driven from pure gold buyers, uh, which is somewhat unique in the space. Uh, so we're quite happy to be there, obviously, during this uh, this gold price. On page 21, uh, really a cycle through of our business plan. Um, the optionality, the accelerator model has brought to us. We've been able to incubate uh, one or more uh, accelerator companies uh, with the Cisco Group uh, on a per year basis since 2014. And really the goal is to take uh, highly talented exploration and development uh, and mine building teams uh, that put Canadian Malarctic together and created uh, $4.3 billion of value in that company of which shareholders made a profit of over $3 billion. And to take that team and to deploy them uh, into other assets that can duplicate the success uh, that we saw at Canadian Malarctic, but hopefully to do it more in parallel rather than one asset at a time. Uh, we listed for you here at Cisco Mining, which we own a 16% equity ownership, and we generated a royalty there, a uh, slight scale royalty of, of 2 to 3%. A Cisco Metals run by Bob Wares, uh, and currently it runs the Pine Point project. We have a 1.5% royalty there. 18% equity ownership at Falco with the Horn 5 project that we talked about. And a new, uh, well, a new uh, accelerator company that we've invested in, uh, headed up by Terry Harbert, uh, one of our exceptional uh, exploration structural geologists and his team, uh, Talisker Resources, uh, currently working on the Braylorn project in central BC. And uh, Mineral Alamos, uh, uh, which has been moving well with the uh, heap lead shafts at uh, Santana uh, in Mexico. So we see these, uh, these early stage opportunities really evolving and creating our own uh, our own uh, organic world in terms of doing deals earlier on and then being there to help those projects uh, with project financing as we get further uh, into the value creation process of those projects as they move into production. Uh, page 22, a brief summary of things. Uh, just uh, over 18,000 ounces GEOs earned in the quarter. Cast margins at 91%, the highest in the sector. Uh, over 23 million, 23.8 million dollars uh, in in terms of cash flow. Uh, 169 million dollars of investments as at uh, March 31st, 2020, and 158 million dollars of cash uh, as of March 31st, uh, ongoing and uh, obviously current cash balances enhanced the sub sides of that. So to simplify the the story, uh, this is a very good exposure to gold pays a dividend while you're invested in gold with a significant amount of upside with over a million meters having been drilled on the share on the royalty lands that uh, the Cisco royalty shareholders are already exposed to uh, last year and the year before without having to invest any further money. Our land, our royalty lands are more important exploration wise than most other things worldwide because of the flow through share uh, system here in Canada, uh, which encourages uh, exploration or, or R&D, if you will, which is usually the, the lifeblood of all value creation in every sector, is, is research and development, and we consider exploration uh, to be that R&D factor uh, that differentiates us uh, from other gold investments in the space. Uh, in terms of where we are right now, obviously, uh, our, our hybrid business model has, uh, has been a little hard, a little bit less valued in the marketplace in the past, but we think that uh, we're well geared uh, for this market and certainly with the evolution of the accelerator assets within the company, within the project, uh, we're seeing more and more value being ascribed to those uh, through the community, through the analyst community uh, 
Uh, and we think that as we get further into this year, a lot of that value starts to unlock and hopefully we can uh, turn the corner on the valuation process and uh, see a higher share price uh, for our supportive shareholders. And on that note, I'd like to thank everybody for participating in the call and open it up to Q&A if I could. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, please press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Encore une fois, pour poser une question, veuillez appuyer sur étoile suivi du 1 sur votre téléphone. Pour retirer votre question, appuyez sur le dièse. Veuillez rester en entente pendant que nous compilons les questions. Your first question comes from the line of Kerry Smith of Haywood Securities. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Thanks, Operator. Sean, a couple of things on Caribou. Could you give me sort of your current thought process on the timing of the permitting process and and also bringing in a partner, what your time, your expectation on timing is to have concluded that sort of a that investment? Yeah, George, well, obviously, uh, you know, we've been in an uptick marketplace here and, and Barkerville has gotten an awful lot of attention um, as of late uh, from from various partners. So uh, we are working very hard uh, with those partners, uh, you know, to optimize the investment that the Cisco shareholders have made into this project. Uh, in terms of timeline on the permitting, we see, uh, you know, really have a construction release, release hopefully in 2022, probably later on. Um, but uh, we have been moving well uh, within the new framework that BC has outlined, and we're quite happy uh, with the way the process is going, and our First Nations partners uh, have been very supportive as well. Uh, most recently, uh, prior to the COVID-19 crisis, uh, we had the mine minister and major projects uh, coordinator come and visit the site, and uh, obviously we think that uh, given the economic uh, outcome, uh, of a lot of different industries right now, uh, gold mining in the Caribou, which is a brownfield site, uh, is going to be a priority investment, and we have the ability to create significant amount of jobs, uh, both during the construction period, with uh, probably seven to eight hundred jobs during construction, and then a full-time uh, workforce of somewhere between four and six hundred uh, as we continue to ramp up and build out that project. Um, from the partnership, you know, we see uh, we see very very high quality partners. Uh, that are interested in this project because of its scalability and because uh, it is a camp-sized project. So, Sean, is your is your target to then try and have a, a partner for that project by the end of this year, let's say, or is that a 2021 event? No, I think we'll uh, we'll get a partner. To, uh, you know, we're in process right now, Kerry. So, obviously, COVID-19 has, has created challenges for a lot of different people. So, uh, I'm hesitant to put timelines on things, but I don't see why we wouldn't get a uh, a deal done in the current market conditions uh, that we're in. Um, BC has uh, has deemed uh, mining as a uh, as a necessary service, so it has not been shut down, and the ministry there continues to work, uh, as do we. Um, and the team there has uh, has really you know moved things forward as we uh, as we got going there. Uh, so we don't really see anything that would inhibit us from getting this deal done. Hopefully, you know over the course of the summer. Uh, or certainly by the end of the year. Okay, and then just on the permitting side, when would you file the documents with the regulators in if, if you want to have the permitting done in 2022? 
Well, the process has already begun, uh, Carrie, and we have submitted project descriptions uh, last year. Uh, so we're optimizing those on what's called IRTs, information request uh, uh, transfers. And we are in the process now, and hopefully, you know, we'll be going back and forth a bit more. Um, but we're, we're in constant motion on the permit as we speak uh, today, uh, and that process is engaged. Okay. Okay, good. Thanks, Sean. Thank you, Carrie. Again, to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone. Your next question comes on the line of George Topping of Industrial Alliance. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Great. Thank you. Um, hello, everyone. Um, Sean, on the, the $10 million to be spent this year at Caribou Gold, how much will be infill expansion and how much is going to remediation? Uh, well, the budget right now is uh, $5 million for drilling. Um, so we'll be doing some tidy up infill as we've uh, we've finished up with that, that geological model. Uh, so anywhere we've identified uh, that we need a higher density of infill drilling, we'll go back and tidy that up. Uh, we have made an investment into the contact water treatment facilities that are uh, really, you know, for sort of pre-capitalizing um, the infrastructure that we need to, to go mining. Uh, and then in terms of uh, remediation work, uh, it's mostly being done in function of the BC uh, vein development, but uh, it won't be that much. The $10 million is really to go to drilling uh, as we go forward. And uh, we'll be a little bit opportunistic, George, as we see opportunity uh, to do things that are going to de-risk the project uh, and move us forward and we can get the permits to do them. Uh, we, may, we may go and do that. Um, and then also we'll be somewhat subject to uh, our financial partners uh, view of the project as well as we get further into it. Right. And then for 2021, do you have a, a thought on how much you might spend there and, uh, you know, admitting it might change if you have a, a another partner involved with his own thought or their own thoughts? Yeah, I think where we are um, on that, George, is that there's probably three answers if we go it alone. Uh, um, you know, we would probably be fairly, uh, fairly conservative. Uh, the mid-tier is, uh, you know, assuming that we're, we're driving hard to do everything we can uh, to facilitate that construction release ASAP. Uh, and then the third one is, uh, you know, assuming that uh, we want to get aggressive not only on that, but we also want to increase the drill out that, you know, that partnership that we would initiate uh, a significant drill program in 2021. So, I'll come back to you a little bit later on in the year as we as we fill out those those goals. But I mean, we can assume that it's probably going to be you know a minimum of twenty to thirty million dollars, uh, and then upwards from there, depending on how aggressive uh, we get on the exploration and underground development uh, uh, side. Got it. And then um, just lastly, just switching over to diamonds. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the, with uh, India being shut down, now it's coming back a little bit. Uh, have you had any uh, industry updates on where, where diamond markets, how they might recover from any of the commodity specialists? Yes, we have. And, uh, you know, there's a couple different viewpoints. Uh, if you look back to the last financial crisis, obviously it didn't have the same ramifications of of shutting down the diamond polishing centers as in India as COVID-19 has. 
Um, there is pent up demand and we're seeing that uh, retailers in China who have opened back up have seen significant demand. Uh, and first indications are is that the month of April uh, was somewhere between 60 to 80 percent of what the 2019 April numbers were. So, you know, that demand did come back fairly strong and you've seen now shut down uh, and or shut in of, of different mines in the space. So there is a supply demand uh, scenario building. However, uh, there will be a bit of an inventory clear through uh, as diamonds go back out uh, in the space. Uh, but we are optimistic that the diamond prices will respond like they did in 2008 and nine uh, with that pent up demand coming uh, back into space. Right. Do you think, uh, Renard, I mean, would your budgets be maybe Q4 this year or thereabouts for a re restart? Um, it's going to be a bit speculative on my part, uh, George, but obviously I certainly would hope um, that we can we can do that. Um, you know, the, the, the mine is on uh, on a dry shutdown right now as we monitor the situation. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll review that fairly regularly with our partners um, as we get further into the piece. Um, but the mine is, you know, is, is well, uh, well, well groomed and, and well built and it uh, was just starting to hit its stride uh, when the diamond prices started to pull back. And we are ready and waiting to put that mine back to work uh, as soon as the time is right. Right, sure. Great. Thank you. Thank you very much, George. Your next question comes from the line of John Tomazos of Tomazos Independent. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hello, Sean. Congratulations on the progress on so many fronts. Well, I appreciate that, uh, John, and I hope you're keeping well and safe. I know you uh, you live in a place that's had its challenges as we have had here. Yeah, I just uh, keep looking at my computer and... Uh, work in the garden and I discovered the wholesale fish markets the fishermen can't sell to restaurants and there's great fishing around here so it isn't all in the Canadian north there's a little bit good here could you update us please concerning how your investment criteria have changed as the markets have changed first have you raised your gold price basis in doing analyses the $400 or so that the spot price has gone up. Some of the majors have kept their criteria the same as a year or two ago. Second, have you raised your discount rate assumption because a, a couple of projects had charges this year or last year or the year before? Third, how much do you raise your discount rate outside of Canada? And fourth, how do you prioritize between these dozen or so wonderful projects that all appear promising where some of them don't have a million meters of drilling like windfall and are at earlier stages? Okay, I'll, uh, I'll try and tackle uh, the task laid out before me here, John. Um, you know, in terms of our gold price right now, uh, we're probably somewhere around 1400 U.S., uh, uh, which I think is bank consensus, and we'll obviously run sensitivities uh, based on the asset and what we think the ability of that asset is to perform at lower uh, at lower gold prices. Um, I'm a big believer in the ratios between cutoffs and uh, and mining grade, uh, so that's probably a higher criteria for me on an individual basis 
um, but we do look at internal rate of returns uh, and then a discount rates. Uh, we tend to focus uh, a lot on the geopolitical risk and the, and the life of the mine, um, you know, in terms of, of where we are in the world. Obviously, COVID-19 has changed the geopolitical dynamics in a lot of environments in a lot of countries. Uh, if you can't fly there or go there, it makes it much harder to monitor things. Um, and I do like my maple syrup and poutine. Uh, so we've been sticking to, you know, Canada with uh, Quebec uh, and BC being our dominant jurisdictions that we've been deploying capital in. And obviously where we've had the most success at the drill bit. And in terms of, you know, the earlier stage accelerator companies, uh, because of the flow through share and, and, and charity flow through share program here in Canada, uh, and the low cost of drilling here, uh, it's very much uh, in our favor uh, to continue to push on these brownfield stories um, that we've been able to focus on in Canada, uh, the most recent one being the Braylorn asset. Um, in terms of discount rates, uh, you know, we, we work with a 5% discount rate on premium assets, uh, and we would increase that discount rate depending on the commodity uh, and also on the jurisdiction up to as much as 12%. Uh, in some cases, in terms of allocating capital, obviously we're trying to prioritize whatever we think is going to have the most effect on short-term cash flow. Um, in terms of increasing GEOs uh, for our balance sheet, that is the dominant, uh, the dominant allocation of capital. Uh, we do take a long-term view on exceptional assets like uh, like Windfall and, uh, and Horn 5 and, and Barkerville. Um, where we feel that there's a bigger prize to fight for, uh, but normally the criteria uh, would be nearest to production and nearest to geos. Uh, I don't know if I got all your questions, John, but I took a good run at it. No, we like the emphasis on long life and near production and safe places like Canada with all the double dips on exploration incentives. Thank you. Thank you, John. Your next question comes on the line of Kerry McCrory of Canaco Genuity. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hey, good morning, Sean. Morning, Kerry. Maybe another question. Maybe another question on Barkerville. You know, is there a scenario? You know, once you get, you know, to a construction decision where you fund construction within Cisco Gold royalties, or do you think it's more likely at that time to, you know, either, you know, sell the asset or, you know, put it in another vehicle? Well, we'll uh, we'll have to cross that bridge when we get there, I guess, Kerry. But I mean, uh, you know, I just want to make sure everybody's clear. Cisco Gold Royalties is a royalty and streaming company. Um, our main business is project finance, so you know we've got 25% of it allocated to the, the incubation accelerator strategy. But um, you know, once a project gets to shovel ready, fully permitted, it falls back into our main strategy. Um, so if we see the numbers are right uh, and and we can continue to invest there. Uh, and meet our criteria of being a dominantly royalty and streaming company, uh, we're obviously going to uh, take advantage of, of the projects we know the best and the you know, things that we've been actively involved in the evolution of would fit in that criteria. So we will be opportunistic for the Cisco Gold royalty shareholders, but we want to make perfectly clear to everybody that uh, uh, royalties and streaming business is here to stay. Uh, and there won't, you know, if we do go into any other mode, that's why we created North Spirit was to, uh, to have an, a platform that other capital uh, could come and invest alongside of us uh, in that space and, and to choose the proper partners to unlock the most amount of value in the most expedient manner. Uh, with that, 
We think that uh, that is a proper strategy uh, in this market, and uh, we see a lot of capital, uh, willing capital is coming into the space right now, uh, and we're in a fortunate position where we control a lot of uh, extremely high-quality assets, uh, especially things that could be 5 million ounces or more that have the ability to go three to 500,000 ounces a year of production uh, in the long run and have the Canadian moniker uh, on them. Uh, you know, that's been our, our bread and butter, uh, and we uh, think that we really well positioned ourselves to take advantage of that. Um, and with the Eagle, uh, uh, Victoria's Mine coming online, and then the uh, the, four, the three other uh, big Canadian projects that are sort of uh, within our program, uh, we have the most exposure to big Canadian assets of any group out there uh, at this point in time. And uh, I think that we've well suited to take advantage of that for our shareholders. Okay, great. And then maybe on the longer-term guidance of, uh, you know, the 140,000 ounces, if you can just remind us what the big components of that growth is relative to where we are today. So we would see, obviously, uh, the Canadian Malartic Underground, uh, back 40 in Michigan. Uh, we also see Mantos expansions uh, working out for us. Uh, and we see Barkerville uh, and, and uh, Windfall, uh, you know, following a development track and hopefully – uh, what we did not include in that 140,000 ounces, for example, was Falco uh, with the uh, with the, the, the Silver Stream because we haven't finished paying for it uh, yet. So we've only included the assets where 100% payment uh, by the Cisco Gold Royalty shareholders uh, on the asset has been made. So we have quite a bit of organic growth uh, in those assets. And maybe one last one on Mantos. Uh, can you comment on how the expansion is going there and when you expect to see an uptick in, in your ounces from, from Mantos? Um, as you know, it's a private company. Um, it's very much on track right now. And I think that the way that we see that asset is, you know, Orion is, uh, is, in a, is a very good operator with deep pockets. Uh, and we see them pushing hard to get that next expansion under control management team there. Uh, you know, it's very focused and, uh, and driving hard, and we think that by 2021, in 2021, they should achieve their goals. Uh, but it's really, uh, you know, it's been an exceptional effort, uh, and that asset is really uh, showing its true, color, true colors and true quality. Okay. Thank you very much. There, very there, much are no, there are no further questions at this time. I turn the call back over to the presenters. Thank you very much, and I'd just like to uh, thank Sandeep Singh and and Fred, uh, who uh, both stepped up to the plate here in Q1 uh, for a great effort, as well as uh, uh, the rest of the members of the team uh, who joined us, Mike Spencer uh, on our international side, Ian Farmer, uh, who's taken on the role of Vice President of Corporate Development, and uh, Benoit Brunet, who's joined us uh, in the Montreal office um, on strategic planning. Uh, the team is fully functional in the and I'm very happy with the way that the team has been able to come together, especially in this COVID-19 crisis, and achieve so much uh, in such a short time. Thanks, everybody, and uh, stay safe. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Mesdames et messieurs, ceci met fin à la conférence téléphonique d'aujourd'hui. Merci pour votre participation. Veuillez raccrocher, s'il vous plaît.
Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.